This is Pat Boyle. Thanks for listening to the Hockey Show Podcast brought to you by Miller Lite, the presenting sponsor of the 2020 ESPN 1000 Virtual Fantasy Football Championship. Find out how to be a part of it at ESPNFFC.com. This is ESPN 1000, the Hockey Show. Stream ESPN 1000 easily on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. Down to the last eight seconds, it's Keith. Handed back over now for the Boquist. Given back over for a pass across to Kane. Three seconds of two. Keith, a shot knocked down in front by Carlson. Rebound, and the Vegas Golden Knights have advanced to round number two. Ah, it was a good run while it lasted. Late Tuesday night, technically Wednesday morning. The Blackhawks <laughs> season came to an end. It is the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. I'm Pat Boyle. Mike side with Brian Hanley. How you doing today, Brian? PB, doing great. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. Um, it, was, it was a fun few weeks. The Hawks made the most of their lottery ticket, beating Edmonton in four games and then battling Vegas in those five contests. I guess now I'm just, I'm at, okay, so what I saw in Edmonton over the last few weeks is, does that forecast this team as trending towards being a playoff team? Uh, Did it just show me the deficiencies that I knew they already had? That's kind of, I'm in that that seek and uh, search type of mission right now, trying to figure out what the Hawks should do this offseason. Yeah, a lot to be done and, and maybe not enough resources to get it done in one offseason, such as this is going to be. But you have to, you have, you know, interesting to hear Stan Bowman say what he said yesterday in the season wrap up media conference uh, via Zoom that uh, it's going to be a similar team with some different faces, not wholesale changes, but there needs to be some wholesale changes in, in terms of what you see on the ice. Because when you look at the statistics, it's, you know, giving up the most shots, giving up the most goals, not generating enough shots, not generating enough goals. Um, I don't know how you get that done in an offseason, but it's uh, up to Stan and his staff, apparently, right? There's not going to be any front office changes, coaching changes. I mean, we can talk about all of it, but it's, it appears that uh, the same decision makers will be in place. It seems like Stan is, is on solid footing. Everything that we heard from Danny Wirtz over the last couple of weeks seems to point to that. Uh, the fact that, uh, you know, basically Stan is, is conducting hop, hockey operations as he normally does. And nothing has, uh, has really changed. There was some restructuring of some of the personnel, but uh, all in all, Stan is still the lead voice. So, I think going forward, at least that's the way it appears to be, that that this is is still his team and he's still the architect of it. And they do need to address the defensive issues. This has been a problem now for the last five or six years on this team. It's not sustainable to be a team that gives up like they did in in game four, Hmm. 96 shot attempts, 49 shots on goal. 18 slot shots. You cannot, they did not deserve to win that game. The only reason why they did was Corey Crawford. And oh, by the way, he's mm-hmm. now an unrestricted free agent. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what, what price tag, is there a price that he's willing to work for that would be agreeable to the team? Or in there, it, it sounded like what Stan said is, 
you know, they've already started conversations with the agent, and I assume for Corey, that would be number one if you're talking about different, they have guys like Dominic Kubalik, a restricted free agent, but you start with the goaltender who had a wonderful postseason run given the amount of time he didn't have to prepare, but we also saw the, the soft ones he gave up. So is he willing to take a 50% pay cut? And I would think that's about probably the, the starting point the Blackhawks want to hear, maybe even less than $3 million. Yeah, I don't think you're going to get him for less than $3 million. The Blackhawks have no. right now projected uh, $7.3 million in cap space, and they still have pending restricted free agents, Drake Kajula, Dominic Kubalik, as you mentioned, Dylan Strom. Those guys are all due new contracts. And then, of course, Corey Crawford. So that that's a lot of players that need to get paid and only right now $7 million of wiggle room. Now, they're going to have to get creative. And uh, here's Stan Bowman yesterday on the salary cap issues that face his team. The flat cap is uh, a challenge, but at the same time, I, I think we have some ideas on what we're going to do. Uh, you know, that process is just starting right now. Um, had a couple of meetings since uh, we finished the season. And we're going to have more over the coming weeks to, to map out how that's going to play out. But um, you know, it's a reality of our game, and this is this is where we're at as a sport. And uh, you know, we'll make it work, and that's our job is to figure out how uh, we can have some flexibility. So that that's going to be part of it, uh, as well as making sure that we can uh, keep the players we need to keep. So uh, it's a balancing act, and it's something that uh, you know we've put a lot of thought into already, and we're going to keep working through in the coming weeks. Stan Bowman and the Hawks are going to have to get creative to come up with some some cap space to uh, to upgrade this team. You may see some players bought out, like Olimata. He's got two years left on his deal, four million a year. Uh, he was he was their best defenseman, probably in that in that in that qualifying round and in the uh, opening round of the Stanley Cup playoffs against Vegas. Zach Smith could be bought out as well. Uh, but the, the the decision about Corey Crawford is, is is where I want to start. You know, he'll turn thirty six in December. He's been making six million a year. I think somewhere, Brian, around four to four and a half million dollars would be an area that I think both parties could find some common ground. Uh, would you be Would you be comfortable, first of all, signing Corey to a two year deal? Right around four, four and a half million dollars. See, uh, right there, I would probably be more comfortable if I'm Stan Bowman at a one-year deal, and I'm, if I'm Corey, I'm probably not interested in that because of his age and who knows where that's going in terms of how much hockey he has left. But that might even be a million and a half more than the Hawks are willing. They might be thinking one year, three to three and a half million, and he might be thinking, like you said, two years around four to four and a half million, and it doesn't seem like. There's, you know, there does seem like there's a middle point there, but I'm not so sure there is. Well, that would have to be right. The 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 uh, dreaded hometown discount, right? Stan was right. asked about that yesterday. Is he a believer in a hometown discount? Here's what Stan had to say. That's really more in the player. I mean, I, I can't speak for the players if, if that matters to them. I mean, there's what I will say is that there is there's value in a situation that, you know, uh, I don't know how much value that, that that's something the player has to, but if you put yourself in a situation where if you had the opportunity to 
you know, stay somewhere where you've been. And as opposed to going somewhere where you don't know and you don't know the people, there's a value there. I don't know what that amount is. And each player probably has a different value, but there is value in what's known and, and the familiar, uh, how much that that's each person probably has a, a different threshold for that. But I think it's fair to say that there's, um, there is a value to a situation where you've been around. It's not just the city, but it's the, the, the coaching staff, the players, the whole, you know, you, you're, you live this, you know, you, you play, but you also have a lot of time outside that, that you're going to have to experience in a new city. And, you know, some people may look at moving elsewhere as an adventure, but other people's, you know, that's a little daunting to them. So I don't try to figure that out. I think that's something that the players are going to have to decide on their own. Do you think the Blackhawks will re-sign Corey Crawford? 312-332-3776. Our Twitter poll question is up and running at ESPN Hockey Show. It is next season the Blackhawks will be A, a serious cup contender, B, a bubble team, or C, a non-playoff team. Where are you leaning uh, uh, with the poll question right now, Brian? Uh, realistically, I'd have to say a non-playoff team. Um, a lot of teams will get better. The Hawks will get better incrementally. Um, I think, like you said at the top of the show, you saw flashes. The, there are a lot of positives to like and embrace, but you also saw the flaws that were magnified in the postseason, such as it was. There's a lot of work to be done here. When Stan talks about the mentality of the team will you know, be that much better next year, okay, I, you know, those intangibles are nice to believe in, and Jeremy Colleton talking about structure and you know, basically patience and discipline and all the things they may have learned uh, even more so in the postseason, that's all wonderful. It comes down to talent. It comes down to size. It comes down to consistency. And what we mostly saw in terms of consistency in this regular season before it was suspended because of COVID was inconsistency or consistently poor defense, um, consistently, you know, the, the bottom six forwards not good enough to really be a playoff team. They got in by the gift of the NHL gods, and they made the it most was a of pan- it. It was a pandemic postseason appearance. Exactly. I mean, they made the most of it, so you yep. give them credit for that. But they were so far out looking in when the season was suspended that you know people were wondering if Jeremy Colleton should be back, if Stan should be the one making the decisions in the offseason. And by the way, on the Twitter vitriol, in the aftermath of the, the series loss to Vegas, I mean, some, some serious Hawks fans are still really upset with the direction this team is, is apparently going in. So we'd like to hear from them, and we'd also like to hear from the Hawks fans who think they're on the right track. As much as I hate to say this, Brian, I think the Hawks need to move a core player this offseason. Yes. I, I don't, I don't want to admit that this day is coming. I don't ever want to see Kane or Taves skate with another logo on their chest. I don't. But I think it's it's inevitable for this team to get better and the timeline right now for it to become a championship team. Let's be honest. They're, they're three years from being a championship contender. Best case scenario. And at that point, Kane, Taves... And Keith are all in the final year of their current contract. I don't want Patrick Kane moved. I don't. 
I don't want Taves gone either. And as However, I look, as I look at the core players and Seabrook, we all look at that contract and at six point eight million, that is that is a tough move. That is a tough move. You'd have to pick up at least half of that contract, if not two thirds of it, and probably and not get much in return, and not get and, and and probably throw in a sweetener. Yep. Um, the one player that makes, I guess, the most sense out of the core group would be Duncan Keith. Hmm. Thirty-seven years old. Thirty-seven years of age, still playing at a high level, paired with the right defenseman. He's a three or four defenseman on a good NHL team. And at five and a half million dollars a year, it's a reasonable contract. If he's paired with the right defenseman, he could be a very effective third or fourth D-man on a good team. And what do you get in return for, for that third or fourth defenseman on a very good team at 37 years of age who's still putting in unbelievable amounts of ice time well you get uh, you get five and a half million dollars in cap space sure so you're able to help yourself out there uh yeah you're going to try to get something in return maybe you get a depth forward uh this team is weak down the middle they only have you know jonathan taves kirby Doc certainly stepped up but at 19 years of age he's a second line center dylan strom uh, he's wildly inconsistent, but mm-hmm. he's your number. He's your number three, three yeah. center, and then you know you've got, just got a, a fourth line that is you know serviceable, but it's hmm. it's nowhere near as good as what we saw Vegas trot out there. What it needs to be is you know basically you know it's interesting because if you're going to make first of all whether it's Duncan Keith or Patrick Kane or Jonathan Taves. They have to be agreeable, right? And it's interesting when you hear Stan talk about hometown discounts and what's it you you know what's it worth to the player to have comfort. And if you're going the wrong way, like Corey, in terms of salary and commitment, you know you're at the end of your career, maybe signing your last contract. But if you're still in the prime of your Hall of Fame career, let's talk about you know Kane, Taves, and Duncan Keith. Do you like you said? This is a three-year realistically still a three-year rebuild. Do you want to play? meaningful hockey for the next three years and not in a bubble, hopefully in a regular traditional Stanley Cup playoff. Do you, would you entertain that conversation if you're Patrick Kane, Jonathan Davis, or Duncan Keith? Or are you the guy who wants to wear the same sweater for the entirety of your career and just see it out and see where it goes because you have the, the rings and the parades already in, in your past? Or are you still hungry to do something substantial and be part you know lead a winning team or be part of a winning team moving forward you know do you even broach if you're stan bowman do you pick up the phone or bring those players in at a socially distance uh conversation in the office and say you know i'll take your temperature on this even though i might know the answer but they all have the no movement clause would they be willing to to entertain that conversation these are all questions. I think everything's on the table right now. At least, yeah. it, at least it should be from from my standpoint. Let's get your thoughts on it. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. What do the Blackhawks need to do this off season? Do you have to consider moving a core member of this team? As much as you don't want to do it, are you pretty much forced to because of 
the flat cap and your financial constraints right now with the salary cap and where you're at right now. 312-332-3776. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. Now, by your side, through your smart speaker. Just tell it to play ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. Second chance opportunity, and Taves gets inside position on Nate Schmidt. And Leonard is a little bit slow to react. And the captain cashes in. The steal. Sending Saad in there. Saad dropped it. Murphy's the late man spinning. Centered in. Strom put it from Tepin. What a play. Dylan Strom gave an empty netter to Alex to bring it. The cap doubles the lead. Anything before this period ends. The gap for Rishon. Pacioretty scores. And there it is. Before the period ends, with 30 seconds left, Max Pacioretty's first point of the playoffs gets the Golden Knights on the board. Snaps it through center, trying to spring stone. Yes, Pacioretty with a Pacioretty and a Carlson, and a shot blocked. Second chance, Stone scores on the deflection in front. So the Golden Knights score late in the first and in the opening minute of the second to tie the game. Puck to the Hawks, and Kane comes ahead. Keep in a chance for Kane right to the all the low five hole. Hello, Patrick Kane with five hole on ladder of the Blackhawks back in front off of Vegas turnover. Carlson and Nate Schmidt down the boards for Smith walking in across the Martinez who scores a beautiful pass. Riley Smith to Alec Martinez, a power play goal and three three. Now here's Alex Dunn dashing in, towards it in, little backhander on score. On his own rebound, Alex Tuck puts it in, and the Golden Knights lead for the first time tonight for the break. The Vegas Golden Knights knocking off the Chicago Blackhawks in five games in the opening round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. We're back on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Brian Hanley, Pat Boyle with you. What's next for this franchise? As I look at my Twitter timeline... Oh boy! Yeah, there's a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of people that uh, aren't real thrilled with Stan and aren't too happy with some of the coaching moves that they've seen from Jeremy Colleton. What have you uh, What have you heard from uh, folks on social media and your thoughts on on the job that Jeremy Colleton has done here in uh, in year two? And and to you know to be honest, he still has not had a full season. As uh, as a head coach in the National Hockey League, and you can reach Pat at uh, at Boyle NBCS, <laughs> and uh, you can reach me at, at Brian Hanley five thirty four. Sandra Muir, very thoughtful, uh, saying, "Why should we trust the people who got us here and make the moves to rebuild?" Stan is the architect of the current roster, put in the place of this coach. Is why this team is where it is and has been since the overreaction after the first round loss to Nashville. He tinkers. A good coach 
will figure out how to get the best out of a bad roster. A good roster can hide bad coaching. Somehow the Hawks have both a less than optimal roster, a less than optimal I'll coach, admit, you know, um, maybe whoa. like a lot of fans sort of. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> and, and one thing is one is an excuse for the other with no apparent accountability and big a not from Anaheim used a lot less words. One move fire Stan Bowman. So yeah, I've seen a lot of that. Yeah. yeah there you have it. Uh, it. It appears Rocky Wirtz earlier in the week said Dan, Danny Wirtz was not going to be the permanent president yet. It appears that Stan Bowman and Jeremy Colleton aren't going anywhere, at least as we sit here and talk today. So if you're going to go out and hire a team president and say, oh, by the way, that's your GM and that's your head coach and that's your coaching staff, what kind of president are you getting to begin with? Well, Rocky also said in that same interview that the new president will not be a retread, Mm -hmm. which... Makes me wonder, you know, do they already have this person in mind? If you if you already know it's somebody that doesn't have a lengthy track record in the National Hockey League, he's not a retread. Uh, do you have that person already kind of handpicked? And and Danny Wirtz has been talking big picture, re, reinventing or rethinking hockey. And I mean, it almost sounds like more of a marketing business type plan that he's envisioning versus, as Stan said. Their time in the bubble, Danny was asking a lot of hockey ops questions as they spent hours each day and, and days and weeks together. But is this new president going to be more about uh, selling tickets and, and merchandise and not really going to be immersed in hockey ops? Because, again, if it's not going to be a retread, you're also but you're also kind of giving him the the, the front office that is and the coaching staff that it is. Is he going to be a puppet when it comes to hockey ops? I mean, is it someone they're, they're, he's just going to sign off on things that are currently in place? Well, I, I think the new president is, um, it, they, the person's got a huge challenge in front of him. I think everybody in sports does now, playing for the foreseeable future to uh, empty buildings is, is going to be a challenge, and it's going to be difficult to grow your fan base other than with radio and TV. I mean, that that seems to be your connection with the fan for the foreseeable future. So we'll see see what happens on the, the president front with the Blackhawks coming up. I would expect I would expect something to, to happen sometime in October or November uh, of, of a new restructuring or at least the naming of a president. Maybe Danny stays on as COO, as Rocky said in his interview this week, that the, they're going to continue to have their hands on the wheel. Uh, the Hockey Show is brought to you by the book at Horseshoe Hammond, and it is presented by Coors Light. Be prepared for the playoffs by making a beer run from your couch. Find out how at get.coorslight.com. That's get.coorslight.com. Coors Light, mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now, Jeremy Colleton was uh, criticized a bit about his coaching decisions in the Vegas series. He was asked about his moves of, of having Taves on the bench and not using a timeout in game three, and why John Quenville, who played all of nine games in the NHL this past season, got so much ice time in a pivotal game five. Here's what Colleton had to say. All I can do when you go through it and you look at the reasons why um, 
the timeout in game three, um, we had, first of all, uh, Taser, he, he, they had an offensive zone faceoff at four minutes and uh, didn't work out. They ended up getting hemmed in for a minute. And that, I think that took a lot out of them. Um, and then, you know, when he, he got his next shift, it was around, I think it was around the two minute mark. He just didn't look like he had any juice. And uh, looking at him on the bench too, it just felt like he was gassed. And I didn't think that that 30 seconds was going to be enough to get him ready to go. And uh, on the other side of it, you know, Vegas, they were 40 seconds in. It was an icing. Uh, Pacioretty iced it. And uh, they're, you know, the guys they had, had on the ice, probably not their, the, the D pair, probably Schmidt and McNabb, but the, the forwards, they didn't have a right-handed center and they're 40 seconds into the shift. And so we felt, you know, our guys were fresh enough. And Stromer, we felt he had a really good game. And uh, face-off-wise, he was our best guy that game. So um, it didn't work out. We won the face-off, but we couldn't get, you know, we weren't able to create enough. But uh, I'm not sure if we would have gone a different way or not. Uh, the Quenville thing, um, we we were looking, we want to change it up. I, I thought that Taves line um, – they were outstanding in the Edmonton series. I didn't think they were quite as effective in the Vegas series. And we tried in games three and four to maybe shift it around, uh, you know, put Kaner there a little bit to, you know, just change up the, the rotation somewhat. But uh, we, we felt like Quenville, we knew Taser liked playing with Quenville. He talked about it uh, a lot during the year that he enjoyed playing with him, just a way to inject, you know, a bigger body, physical, uh, good shot. Um, and then that allowed us to move Saad with, with Strom and Debrinkit, who I thought they were probably our best line in, in game five. So, um, you know, we didn't win. So we're out, we're going to go, we'll go back and look at those things and, and second guess it and wonder, you know, what else could we have done? But, uh, I thought Quenville was really good in game five. Uh, he, he had four or five you know, solid hits on the four check. So adding an element that we probably didn't have enough of in the series, um, couple of really good defensive plays, you know, willingness, like we were talking about earlier, he skated the puck out of D zone two, three, four times and took a hit to make a play to get it deep so that we could change. And those little things we, you know, we need more of in our group. And I thought for a guy coming in with, uh, he hadn't played much, can't really ask for too much more from him. I see. That's where I disagree. I have no problem with John Quenville going into the lineup and Alex Nylander sitting. I, I, I felt Alex Nylander yeah, was wildly so consistent much. all season. and was given too long a leash. My issue is Quenville staying with Taze and Kubalik in an elimination game when you're down a goal. I, I mean, I am not turning to a... If he wasn't good enough to play with the big club almost all season was in Rockford, th- there's a reason for that. And it, I, you know, I understand he may bring some physicality to the lineup, but at the end of the game, you needed a goal. You didn't need to drive somebody through the dashers. My, my head hurts right now, PV, um, <laughs> after whatever. Uh, that, that, that conversation, well, Taves would have been well-rested after listening to that, that answer. Um, 30 seconds is more, than, <laughs> is, is more than you gave him. Take a look um, at Taves' resume. I mean, I, I, I'll take a gas Jonathan Taves yes. over anything else on that bench. Uh, you know, I'll take a one-legged Jonathan Taves. Maybe you don't know it. I am a graduate of the Jim Boylan School of Timeouts. <laughs> uh, graduated cum laude. You, know, you, you, you do whatever you need to do. Here's a coach who did go to the quote-unquote nuclear option 
and put Kane with Taves, you know, in the last couple of games. But then the disconnect is you put Quinville down at crunch time when you're down to two minutes and you're, you're, you're fighting for your playoff life. And I don't care how good a game Quinville had up to that point. You go with the guys who got you rings before. Exactly. And, and Jonathan Taves wasn't asking, yeah, I'll, I'll be over here getting some oxygen. Then, you know, go ahead and get, I mean, are you kidding me? Uh, that, that was just ridiculous. Coming up next. Mark Lazarus from The Athletic does a great job with Scott Powers all over the Blackhawks beat. We'll get his thoughts on what happened over the last few weeks in Edmonton and the upcoming offseason for the Blackhawks. It's The Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. You're listening Listening. to The Hockey Show. Show. Blackhawks fans, you have a new home to talk hockey. Call us or tweet your comments to at ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. We're back on The Hockey Show on ESPN 1000 with Brian Hanley. I am Pat Boyle. Coming to you from the First Midwest Bank Studios. And it is our pleasure to bring in Mark Lazarus, the senior writer from The Athletic. Both he and Scott Powers and uh, and Johnny Puck. Is that what you call Greenberg, Johnny Puck? Something like that, Mark? Uh, I believe it's Johnny Pucks with an X. Johnny Pucks, got it. <laughs> got Mister. It. Uh, Mark joins us now on the Corona Hotline. Good morning, Mark. How are you? I'm well. Appreciate the Pearl Jam intro. Thanks for that. Well, let's uh, let's get into this hockey team. So, what what you saw over the last few weeks? Um, they were in pretty much every game. They uh, they still had their defensive issues that we saw. We saw the power play still uh, struggle to find some consistency. Uh, we saw great Corey steal a game, steal two, and you know we saw a guy also that was shaking off the rust after having dealt with COVID-19 in very little training camp. So kind of where do you where do you stand on where the this franchise is at at this point? Well, I think they have made progress. I mean, this is the first time we really got to see a fully healthy Blackhawks team that we expected to see way back in, you know, September because of all the injuries they had, you know, Calvin DeHaan and Andrew Shaw and Brent Seabrook. You know, we still have to figure out how Shaw and Seabrook fit into this team next year. But we saw a team progress, a team that was started off the season pretty bad, as Duncan Keith would uh, quoted said it, and then got decent by the end of the year, and then looked even better against Edmonton. Uh, it's still a team that I don't see the path to Stanley Cup contention yet. And with the flat cap, I don't know how they get to that point. But right now, it looks like a team that can fight for the eighth seed, the seventh seed in the playoffs next year. But I just I don't know what the path is for this team to really become great again. And that's disconcerting when you're just kind of stuck in that mushy middle, and you're going to be you know the Minnesota Wild with better star power for the next three or four years. That's that's not where they want to be. And they have to figure out the, what the direction here is because they're three years away from being able to tear it down to the studs and rebuild. And at that point, it'll be, what, eight years since they won a Stanley Cup? And, and, and you know, the, the, the fans are going to get restless. They're already there. So, Mark, if the moves are going to be mostly internal, uh, barring some, uh, you know, big trade where you free up much more cap space, can guys like Ian Mitchell make you know make the team and make them a better team? I mean, does Lucas Carlson get that much better? Um, again, don't even know who's going to be between the pipes. But you 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 know indicate a bubble team at best next you know going into next season. Is that with margin of error, or is that everything has to go perfect for them to to get that seventh or eighth seed? 
I don't know about perfect, but it's going to have to go pretty well. They got the talent. Um, and, yeah, I do think Ian Mitchell will make a difference. I think you're going to see him on, on Duncan Keith's side uh, uh, sparing, not Adam Boquist. Boquist kind of took a step back here in the playoffs, kind of was shying away from contact, was a little overwhelmed by Vegas's forecheck. Uh, he, he, but he's got, he's, he's got a lot of time. He's 20 years old. He got to the NHL the year before he was supposed to because of all the injuries. He's going to be fine, but I think Ian Mitchell's going to supplant him because he's a more reliable defensive presence. They're really counting on him making a difference. I like Lucas Carlson a lot. Uh, there's a lot to like there, but where do you fit these guys if, say, Brent Siebert comes back? If Calvin DeHaan's healthy, which he is, uh, if you if you can't buy, if you don't buy out or trade Oli Mata, who you know that seemed to be an obvious thing to do, but he was also your best defenseman in the playoffs. Uh, they have a lot of questions at defense. They have a ton of guys. Slater Cuckoo turned into a pretty solid player down the stretch, and you want him to be your number seven uh, at minimum. He's a free agent too, but if you also want to get Carlson in there and Mitchell in there and Boquist in there. Uh, Alec Regula is a, is a guy who's got some potential back there. You know, where do you fit these guys? There's so many contracts, and that's the problem with that last offseason that Stan Bowman had, is he took on a ton of guys with term, veteran guys with term. So you've got this young team that you want to really kind of, you know, let develop, and you've got all these veterans blocking the path. So these are the decisions they're going to have to make this offseason. It's not just which young players are going to play for you, but how are you going to make them fit? All right, so with that being said, do they need to consider moving a core player? And when you look at, and again, I know they have no movement clauses. A Brandon Saad does not have one, so uh, you could move him and his $6 million deal. Uh, but when you look at it, I mean, Seabrooks is pretty much unmovable unless you pick up at least two-thirds of it. But I'm sure other teams want to see him play to find out how all that those three surgeries went. Um Duncan Keith looks like a a possible piece that would be of value at five and a half million dollars, uh, paired with the right D man on a good team. I think he's still a, a solid three in this league, it, uh, or maybe or maybe a four. Uh, but no, he's, he's definitely he's definitely at, at minimum a second pairing guy, and there's days where he still looks like a top pairing guy. Yeah, um, right. I don't. I, the Blackhawks don't have someone to replace him right now, though. I mean, if they're really if they're bent on some kind of success next year, and they weren't, it seems like every year they're not willing to concede that they're a rebuilding team. If they're if they're, if they're set on trying to make the playoffs next year, you don't get better by trading Duncan Keith. You don't get better by trading Brandon Saad. So again, I don't know what the direction of the franchise is. There is some kind of path to you know opening up some space, but then what do you do with that space? Are you opening up roster spots just to put young guys in, or are you opening up cap space to go out? and sign guys. If you move Duncan Keith, what do you replace him with? So I'm not sure what Stan Bowman, what Danny Wirtz wants to do here because, um, A, it's very difficult to move those guys, even Keith, and I don't think you're going to – Keith's more of a deadline trade to me than an off-season trade to me if you're going to go take that drastic step. Um, Every time I talk to Duncan Keith about this, he insists he wants to win another Stanley Cup with the Blackhawks. But he doesn't want to go through a rebuilding process either. But but you know what? But, Mark, he's in a rebuilding process. I mean, that's that's the reality. Is he, he though? I mean, are they really rebuilding, or are they just kind of making Uh, tweaks and getting young guys in the lineup? Well, call call it what you want. It's, (laughs) I mean... It's, They're running in place. They're, you know, like you know, the Detroit Red Wings are rebuilding, and it's awful. It's a terrible, terrible process. The Blackhawks are not rebuilding yet. They they keep on that. They're retooling. They're tweaking. They're they're bringing young guys along, but they still have Taves, Kane, Saad, Seabrook, Keith, Crawford. This is not a rebuilding team. 
This is a team trying to make one last run at it. They're trying to get one more bite at the apple here. Uh, and they're not fully rebuilding, and they can't rebuild until 2023, 2024. That's even hard to say. When Kane, Taves, Keith, and Debrinkit all come off the books, then you can sit back and reassess and really decide what you want to do with the franchise. But this is not a rebuilding team. It, it, it can't be when you have that many you know, high-priced veterans on your franchise. Mark, is Jeremy Colleton uh, a coach that can develop talent if it's there? Or, and, or is he a coach that behind the bench can, can win you games and series in a, in a playoff if you get back there on an annual basis? He's definitely a coach that can develop guys. I mean, he deserves a lot of credit. I mean, we, he gets a lot of crap from, uh, from fans, and that's understandable. The team's not winning. But he deserves a lot of credit for what Kirby Doc's done this year. He came in, didn't even have a training camp because of the concussion. And the way he eased him in into slightly larger and larger roles on the third line, then on the power play two unit, then on the top, uh, top six, and then a power play one unit, then on the penalty kill by the playoffs, you know, Colleton deserves credit for that. He did a really good job. And, and even Boquist, before he took a step back in the playoffs, was playing his best hockey in February and March. And that's what Colleton's here to do. He's a young player whisperer. He has great communication skills with these young guys. The young guys really like him a lot. He has done a really good job in that aspect of the game. Um, he, he, I, in the playoffs, it's hard to say. I mean, there was, you know, he got outcoached in Vegas series, but he also had a team that couldn't match up to Vegas. I don't know yet if he's the kind of coach that can really make a difference in a game. We haven't seen that yet, but there's also been extenuating circumstances left and right. This guy has not had a normal full season yet. He's had two partial seasons with you know, season-ending injuries to several key players. It's, it's really hard to evaluate Jeremy Colleton's coaching job because you know, the, the, it's just been screwy. It's been a weird two seasons for him. And, you know, next year is the last year on his contract, and it's going to be the decisive year for him. They're not going to re-sign him. They're not going to extend him unless they see progress from the Blackhawks. And it can't be another October, November where they're terrible again. Two straight years, they've found themselves in a huge hole. It can't be like that again where they're scraping and clawing to get back into the playoff picture in January or February. This season is going to decide Jeremy Colleton's fate. Two questions. Uh could we see a change on Colleton's staff, and do you think Corey Crawford will be re-signed? I don't know about the staff. They like the staff a lot. You know, Mark Crawford's there to give them that veteran presence and to help out, and um, they're high on Thomas Mattel, and, and Sheldon Brookbank's done a good job. I don't think the staff is the issue. Um, as for Crawford, maybe I'm being naive and maybe I'm being stupid. I think they re-signed him, and I think he does get that in the hometown discount. Maybe I mean, he could probably get 5 or $6 million on the open market. But, A, everybody's dealing with a flat cap, so maybe he wouldn't even get that. B, the guy's been with Chicago for 15 years. You know, he, he, he hasn't been with the, 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 the Blackhawks themselves that long, but he spent five years in Rockford. This has been his home almost as long as Keith and Seabrook. It'll be that big of a jarring shock for him to move. And at 35, 36 years old with a young family, and his wife is from Chicago, I, I just think that he doesn't want to start all over in a new, you know, a new situation. And, you know, Pierre Lebrun floated the idea of him going home to Montreal to back up Carey Price. He doesn't want to be a backup yeah, either. I don't see that so happening. If he wants to be a starter and he wants to be comfortable, there's only one city that provides that for him, and it's Chicago. And he's made $50 million or whatever in his career. I mean, you know, go, go get your money. I'm all for going to get your money. But is an extra million or two over two years going to really make that much of a difference to him? I think they get him at a, at a year or two for, you know, three or four million a year. I think he's willing to do that. Every time I talk to him about it, he just seems... You know, everyone always says they want to stay. I really believed it when he told me he wants to stay. And that's why Robin Leonard was here, 
and, and it was the number one goalie. It looked like he was going to take over. So I really think Crawford signs, and I think that's the one hometown discount they actually get. You know, going back to Brandon Saad and Andrew Shaw, they always say they're going to take a hometown discount. They never do. But I think Crawford's the one who might actually do it. Yeah, and when it comes to Dominic Kubalik, if I'm his agent, he's not giving you a pandemic discount or hometown discount. <laughs> he's getting paid. Um, uh, of both uh, Kubalik and, and, and some of the other restricted free agents, you can't sign everyone. Who do you have to sign? Well, you got to sign Kubalik, certainly, but uh, it's interesting because, you know, he's coming off an entry-level deal, but he's also, I think he just turned 25 or 26 right. years old. This is when you get paid. Uh, they'll probably going to give him uh, the kind of bridge deal they gave Panarin, you know, a couple of years, maybe 4 or $5 million, something like that. I think that would be reasonable, you know, kind of approve it and make, make sure this wasn't a fluke contract. Uh, Dylan Strode is the interesting one to me because he's their number three center now. Their Kirby Dock has kind of supplanted him, but, but Strode has been good here. He's been productive. He's his production entailed last season because he was on the wing and it didn't really work for him. He played fine in the postseason, but there's this, there's this narrative going on that he was awful in the postseason. But that's not true. Um, but the Blackhawks hold all the cards. He's a restricted free agent with no arbitration rights. If you wanted to, you could just qualify him, you know, which would give him like you know a million, a million five. I haven't, I haven't looked at what the actual number is yet. And you could just force him to sign it. He's not going to hold out. He's not that kind of player. Um, Stroll really likes it in Chicago. And he had a very bad experience in Arizona, so he's wary of going somewhere else. So I don't think he's going to try to break the bank on the Blackhawks. And, you know, we haven't seen the Blackhawks be kind of, you know, uh, uh, hardcore about this kind of thing and force a guy to take uh, a money beneath him. But this is dire times with the flat cap and the pandemic and all. And if you can just sign him to a, uh, a qualifying offer, I think you have to consider doing that because that'll free up some money to sign – you know, the other guys, you know, Drake Kajula and, and, and some of these other guys you need to sign. Should be an interesting offseason, Mark. We'll be following your work uh, with The Athletic. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. More coming up on The Hockey Show on the other side on ESPN 1000. You're listening to The Hockey Show. With Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Final installment as uh, we'll go on hiatus like the Hawks are. And we will <laughs> we will pop back up uh, in the Where, probably where's December. Gaston's, where's Gaston's Taves right now? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I need a 30-second timeout. <laughs> hey, let's squeeze uh, Bob from Rosemont in. He joins us on the Hockey Show. Good morning, Bob. How are you? I'm well, fellas. How are you selves? Excellent. Uh, I really appreciated the uh, the segment with Mark Lazarus because I think it provides a lot of insight in the in the subjects that I was going to uh, discuss as well. And that is number one: if Jeremy Colleton's strong suit is his ability to develop young players, that's precisely why he should be at Rockford doing exactly that, rather than trying to pigeonhole uh, experienced veterans like. Uh, like Kane and Taves into a system that may be better uh, acclimated toward younger players. Uh, so, and you've got Mark Crawford sitting there. So, I mean, from my perspective, Colleton should be reassigned to Rockford and Crawford should take over as the head coach. If you do that uh, based on a bad start next season, as they did with, with Quenville, whatever, uh, you know, I'll, I'll leave that to people who know what they're looking at. And, and I, and I acknowledge that I don't necessarily, but you've got Mark Crawford there with experience. And it would seem to me that uh, he would be as, as, as well suited as Colleton to deal with the lineup as it's currently constituted. When you then talk about Stan Bowman, 
I think we can agree that Stan Bowman likely got the job in the first place because the Blackhawks uh, wanted to throw a bone to his dad. And, and certainly Scotty Bowman had tremendous value to this franchise at the time they were uh, uh, taking over and, and in need of a man who's uh, who had seen more than uh, than certainly they had or would in their foreseeable future. And the value of the Bowmans together uh, certainly had value. But Stan Bowman has committed the fireable offense uh, under the Bowman standard, and that was bad contract management. That is what did in Dale Talon. And essentially what Stan Bowman did is he made a calculated move that is the problem with the Detroit rebuild as opposed to the Pittsburgh Penguin rebuild. Basically, Bowman decided that he was going to anchor a core of four bad contracts or four long-term commitment contracts to, to core players as opposed to what the Penguins have done. And they selected Malkin and Crosby, and they've changed numerous coaches to make it work, but basically they've been able to find people to play with Malkin and Crosby, absorb those large contracts throughout the course of ebbs and flows of that franchise, and stayed successful. And the Blackhawks at this point, because they made the decision to go with four contracts of that nature, they basically found themselves in the position when Stan Bowman actually hit on players, um, he couldn't keep them. We wouldn't we wouldn't be able to keep Nick Letty or Tara Vinen or Panarin mm-hmm. based upon contract constraints, even if we'd fired Quenville earlier in time. And I, I think in large part the reason those players were, were, were shown the door is because I don't believe Quenville felt they had the the, 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 the type of play that he wanted to see on the defensive end. Hey, Bob, we're so, up we're up against the clock here. You gave us a lot to digest We could there. do another hour on your <laughs> points, and they're, they're valid points. Make, and- one last comment is what I would do is I would simply take Bowman out of the equation, put Eddie Olchick in there, and see what you can do moving forward. Thanks for the time, guys. All right, thanks, Bob. Thanks. Appreciate it. Uh, our poll question on uh, ESPN Hockey Show was, next season the Blackhawks will be a cup contender, a bubble team, or non-playoff team. 61% went with bubble team. 27% said non-playoff team. Hey, Brian, it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a weird year, to say the least, as pretty much everything in the pandemic uh, era is uh, is di- different and weird and and ever-changing, but uh, a lot of fun to do this show with you each and every Saturday and look forward to uh, doing it again in December when they start back up. Yeah, absolutely. You know the passion that Hawks Nation has and Hawks fans have, good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, They're there for you, and they want nothing but success for this team, but we'll be talking about it moving forward and uh, holding them accountable, and uh, the fans are going to do just that as we've heard today. Our thanks to our producer, Eric Ostrowski. did a great job all season long. Mark Lazarus for joining us on this uh, final installment of this season's show. And uh, thank you for listening. We'll be back. Coming up next, it's uh, Brian and Freddie Hubner. They'll get more into the Crosstown. Sox, I think, just hit another home run. Oh, boy. Ron Mankata is going to join the party today. <laughs> and uh, that's coming up next on ESPN 1000. Have a great day, everybody. The Hockey Show signing off for now, but we'll... We'll see you uh, coming up in the fall.